Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's guest. Today's guest um, is uh, Massimo Rugotti. He's got an incredibly powerful story about resilience, recovery, addiction. We all have addictions, whether you like it or not. And he's it's going to be a fantastic conversation, talking all about emotional health. So Massimo, welcome. Thank you so much, Chris, for uh, having me on today. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, you have an interesting uh, because like whether, you know, we see these Instagram stories or TikTok stories, everybody's got this per- picture perfect life. But actually, when you really boil down to it, a lot of people are struggling and, uh, you know, uh, addictions There's different types of addictions. But talk about your story, your background and how you got and we'll get into it. Absolutely. Uh, my story was, you know, I'm that type A, very driven individual, was smart, uh, everybody <laughs> you know, just thought that I probably had it made. Uh, but <laughs> but secretly, I was struggling with bipolar disorder uh, to kind of self-medicate. I began drinking when I was in college. Eventually, that became drugs and alcohol. I managed to start successful businesses and companies along the way. And boy, it seemed like I had it all together outwardly. But some that were very close to me saw that I was beginning to crack. Ultimately, it, it overtook me. The, the, count, the balance was too great, and it cons- my addictions consumed me. And when that happened, I lost everything. Lost my business, lost my wife, lost my house. I ended up living on the streets of Kansas City in 2015 and was all alone for the most part. And hmm. I had somebody I was... Uh, corresponding with, actually by mail of all things. And Samantha Thomas and I exchanged a lot of letters during this period in which she really challenged me to look at myself and tell me that I didn't have to be this way, that I was smart enough to get back on my feet and asked me some real pointed questions. And during those reflections, I realized I really needed to figure myself out. What was driving all of this? And as I did, I ultimately found myself sober again got a job working for somebody else, uh, which was at Kubota Tractor, and worked my way up through multiple promotions into becoming a general manager of their largest facility in the world. And from there, I went back out on my own again. And where we find ourselves today is that I am focusing all my energy on Flavors of Confidence, the book that I released in March, and I'm out speaking and trying to help everybody get sober. Yeah, it's really interesting because 
it's uh, like I said, everybody's struggling in some way. And it's uh, really interesting to see how people turn their um, struggles into a passion through educating and awareness, uh, you coming onto the podcast, you know, believe it or not, a lot of doctors struggling from burnout and from that burnout, they either turn to drugs or alcohol, sex, work, uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, they lose their jobs or lose their families, all of that. So, um, this is not, you know, isolated. This is just, people just don't want to share that. Um, so you have this called method called sober method that you talk about kind of describe and elaborate on that. Yeah, absolutely. So the sober method, it, it, its foundations are in stoic philosophy. So one thing I began to recognize is I was standing myself back up again, is that so many of the things that they talk about in AA, even the serenity prayer, the serenity prayer is basically the dichotomy of control in stoic philosophy. And stoic philosophy is a lot older than AA. So it took me back into really studying the fundamentals of stoicism. And so that became the base of my methodology which really look into yourself, your self-awareness, what can I and cannot I not control, you know? And then of course the four pillars of stoicism are wisdom, temperance, justice, and courage. Temperance is in there and temperance of course is staying sober. So there's so much that is fundamentally right there. And so that's why I created it as the base and first step in my process. And so from there, we then go into observe, behavior, execute, and restore. And in those steps, the observation step is taking those traditional looks into yourself through like behavior chains and really reflecting when I wanted to do a drink or grab my device or whatever it is uh, that you're addicted to, because everyone has some addiction of some type. Okay. We all do. It's just whether or not they're in control or not. Right. Uh, so from that observation phase, you then slowly move into the behavior. So modifying that behavior, what actions am I going to take? in order to keep myself from this behavior. You're observing it, so now you see it, so now this behavior is that whole modification. Okay, what am I gonna do instead? So instead of having a drink, I'm going to call somebody on the phone and talk about my problem. Maybe that's the answer, okay? So then the execution step is really solidifying all of these things and, and setting them so they're actually in stone. So you've observed, you've got your behavior down. So now you've got your check and now you're just like rechecking this process. And I liken this whole sober methodology to like a, a the Deming cycle in terms of you're a continuously improving cycle here. So you, you're basically continuously improving yourself. And that leads us to our final stage, which is restore. And in restore is the traditional forgiveness phase that we have in so many of the AA uh, and NASA, all the different anonymous organizations, right? Which is you go out and you find somebody that you want to get forgiveness from. And so what I encourage in my program is that you set this in motion in about a three to four month deal where you run through the process all of the steps about every three to four months. You're using them all the time, but that's your kind of like graduation back into deeper dive into stoicism. That's how the program works. It's really pretty simple. Yeah. I love the, I love this. Um, you touched on a lot of talking points that we can go from here. Sure. One, thing that, uh, one thing that I love is this idea of stoicism. And I was just kind of, you know, thinking the other day, I was like, the more the more things you have, the more things you like try and control or grab onto, the more stressful your life is. So like if you just like everybody just like simplified everything, like whittled things down, made it very like not this like kind of this rat race kind of hamster wheel type 
uh, lifestyle, you know, we'd all be much better. And then you talked about this idea of, um, which is uh, really interesting, was, um, you know, I didn't mention food addiction or you talked about device addiction. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like you go in public, everybody's on their phone, you know, like this. this. And uh, so uh, talk about overcoming device addiction for enhanced productivity. Sure, absolutely. This is one of my favorite new topics. And and it's interesting. This came out of a letter I received from a reader of my book uh, saying that my book had helped them overcome device addiction. And I was like, wow, device addiction? And I had not really stopped to think about how great this is overtaking society. People can't look up from their phone. You go out on a, uh, you know, go out to a restaurant and you see two, a couple sitting there and they're both looking at their phone. <laughs> They're not even talking to each other. Well, maybe they maybe they don't like each other, but I would like to think that if they're out on a date, that they want to talk to each other. So the first thing that I encourage in device addiction is notification, the biggest harm to your productivity and your addiction to the device. So these things were created to help support and make you more, you know, better. But And like the device is supposed to work for you. But right now we're working for our devices. A lot of us are anyway, you know, it pings, it's in the middle of the night. I talked to somebody on Friday actually, and she told me that she was having these horrible night sleep and everything. And I said, well, are your notifications on? And yeah, they're on all the time. So like in the middle of the night, a bird will fly by and a ring will go off and I'll be like, oh, okay. Like, how are you even functioning? You're not getting a full night's sleep. So notification, turning those off is step one. Okay. Maybe you keep it on for text messaging, but maybe not. Maybe you turn it off, you know, except when you're at lunch, uh, at work or something. And it's amazing how much it will your mind back up to actually think, you know, we, we really think in microseconds now, instead of like anything. Yeah. It's, it's just amazing. Like, um, I had this, I just started instituting this, um, and I know there's like time limits on how much you spend on the app and turn off all notifications and, you know, kind of like, when you're in focus mode, um, just like, you know, kind of clients that kind of suck away your, you know, micro energy, just kind of mute it or just kind of, you know, respond when it's, you know, later instead of responding like right now, um, all these things, putting your cell phone away after five, I'm guilty of, you know, checking emails, you know, seeing how many follow, you know, all that. Right. (laughs) I think we're all guilty of it. And that's, you know, like leading into the next step, which is, setting those goals, you know, which really comes back into pulling yourself into that stoicism is, is like, what is your vision of yourself? And if you had things written down and you knew where you were headed, you would be less likely to pick up that phone because like, I don't have time to do this. I need to get this done. And I think that so many of us kind of just keep our goals in our head and we don't write them down or we never really review them. And, and so that kind of keeps you from moving forward or pushing forward in a way that would be really constructive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love this idea. And just kind of like, uh, you know, one thing that's clients were talking about is this idea of just, um, this brain fog. So at the end of the day, you just like, you know, your brain is just kind of with the context switching, you know, on and off. And then at the end of the day, you're like, what did I accomplish? You know, I, you know, I scrolled Instagram reels or, you know, all these like, and it's like, but if you actually like just deep focus, like deep work, like 30 minutes, you know, a couple sessions, you can get a lot done, um, which is uh, talking about your your uh, sober method. The other thing is uh, talking about is, okay, so again, uh, like you owned up, you owned up to your addiction, you got help, you beat it, 
and now you're like helping. But a lot of people are still in the closet, either guilt or shame, and they're afraid to, you know, they'll rationalize it away. How do, how do you, what is your advice? You know, hopefully they're listening to this and they can start to make change, but how do you get over that shame and guilt of, you know, I'm uh, addicted to X, uh, I need help, go through that. Yeah, that was one of the more difficult things. That's a fantastic question, by the way. Uh, that was one of the most challenging things for me because you're laying yourself bare in front of others, especially if it's hidden. And mine was so hidden. Uh, you know, after my book came out, I had friends or people I would consider friends that I'd known for years that said, I had no idea that you were an addict. Now, think about that. I mean, I had managed to hide the fact I had lived on the street for a year from these people. And so they never really they just like, oh, where have you been type of, of thing. So I think that that you would be surprised how many people are supportive is, is the first thing that I can say. And I would choose someone who you feel is. Mo you're most open to. And once you cross that first person, you'll find it easier to then get the accept. Oh, you're trying to do this. You're trying to fix this challenge you have. Look at behind you. People like a story like this. And I, I think everybody, all of us feel that need to help others. I think it really. And when we lay ourselves a little bit vulnerable to somebody that cares about us, they're really willing to help. And that's what was so surprising to me. I was so ashamed. I didn't want to tell anybody. And once I did, I saw that there was acceptance. And once I got that acceptance, I was like, I need to share my story. I need to share this method. And then now look at me. I'm out publicly saying that I was a total mess for most of my life. So <laughs> that's a that's a full circle in trying to keep things hidden from the world. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, quitting my lucrative medical career and kind of, you know, sitting out on my own, I was really ashamed of that because it's very unheard of to, you know, quit your position as a doctor and, and then, but, you know, people, clients would come out and say, you need to share that because a lot of doctors, uh, you know, they they need to hear that story and kind of, um, the one, one thing is you talk about your support network, playing in your recovery, uh, talk about empowerment, self-discovery, kind of, uh, talk about how you use those to, you know, benefit yourself, you know, get it out in the open, um, in non-judgmental, in, in, in a psychologically safe environment. Talk about that. Sure. I, I think that the, the biggest thing, and one thing I definitely encourage always, is writing. You, maybe some of you have heard the, this before. It's like, I don't know what I'm thinking until I write it down. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. And the tactile uh, use of your hand while you're writing really kind of connects everything in your mind. It's like, well, this is really how I feel. I didn't know I felt this way, but now it's on pen and paper. I read it. Okay, this is how I feel. So that immediately will lay the groundwork then for who is going to best support me and how I feel. Look at your existing people that you know, and then build that network slowly by, would you like to, you know, can I have a coffee with you and sit down and talk to that person? And then say, hey, do you think next time we get together, this person would join us? And then you can build a group. So what I did in my sobriety journey is that I started a guy's night. And it sounds like a really kind of crazy thing to do. But what it was is that I invited four of my male friends and I would cook dinner for them. And then we would play cards, you know, and that was kind of the evening of just share stories and lean on each other. And what was initially like supporting me has now over time turned into supporting all of them. 
uh, is it's really kind of interesting how it's growing. So building that network, you will have ways, even though you're struggling, that you can support them in some way. There might be something they're struggling with that you know something about. And when you get that cross you know, between the things, don't think that you're just going to take, you need to give something a little bit back to somebody. That's any <laughs> relationship, right? But yeah. that's how you're going to get the most out of building that network. Yeah. yeah I love that. And um, talk about the power of uh, just vulnerability and authenticity and, uh, and how that helped you. Yeah. Well, this was the very, this was the hardest thing for me. I, I consider myself a very private person. I never wanted anyone to know anything about me. It just that other than what I painted to the world, right? There was an image that I had set up and it was like crumbled all behind. I was like, I personally was a house of cards, right? And I was afraid to be vulnerable. I think a lot of people are. If what that did for me though, just letting my guard down to those first couple of people, it gave me this strength that I didn't think I had within myself. You know, it, it I don't know exactly how to explain it other than it granted me permission to tell other people that I was struggling and I gave myself permission to do that. And once I did that, the confidence started building that I was okay, you know, that I was going to be able to get through this. Yeah. I love that. And just kind of uh, just burning away the rationalizations and the excuses and just getting real, just being truthful to yourself. I think there was a great book called, um, good to great and it's basically you're you're ruthlessly truthful to yourself but you still you know you're still like honest with yourself but you still like allow yourself to see yourself like 20 years down the road and uh you know very powerful and just kind of just brutal honesty david goggins talks about it he's a little bit like extreme but you know just kind of honesty and getting honest with yourself very fascinating uh the other you know as we kind of come to a close um Talk about this idea of um, what advice would you give to, you know, these people out there, first steps, and how can people contact you, uh, follow you, you know, and check out your work, et cetera? Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. So the best first step I tell everybody is to go get a pad of paper or a journal, you know, something that you're going to keep for yourself so you can write because journaling is is the way that you've got to begin this journey in doing that, writing down what your thoughts are and asking yourself those basic questions. I have a few on my website. I'll go ahead. It's Massimo. And, and so you can take yourself through this journey and ask yourself these difficult questions, those reflective questions. And as you do that, that's really kind of that first step, understanding yourself. Where are you really struggling? So we, I haven't even mentioned it here on in our conversation, but mine is a fear of abandonment. Yeah. So that, that ended up being the, the core of my challenge, which was interesting because I always felt like I had people around me that loved me, but abandonment was actually my, my core challenge. So in knowing that, I'm able to focus on that. And once you find, I believe that all addictions are wrapped into one core challenge. I really do. I've yet to see it be multiple things. It, it generally all goes back into one thing. And once you figure out what that thing is, you can begin to adapt yourself accordingly. I also detail uh, not only my life story, but also this plan in my book, Flavors of Confidence, which is available anywhere books are sold. Yeah, really very powerful. Um, and for all the audience out there, let's thank Massimo for coming onto the show, you know, and I think a lot it'll resonate with a lot of 
physicians struggling with burnout or addiction and be sure to get help, reach out to just read, you know, the main first step is just reach out and uh, begin the process. All of his resources will be in links and show notes. Be sure to check out his book as well. I'm sure it's on Amazon, which I'm going to check out right after this. And um, with that, thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time today. It was a pleasure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. listening if you like it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week